So I am Afro-Latina. Afro-Latina means that I come from African descent, which means that I am black. Without you having to see me, if I say I'm Afro-Latina, you'll automatically... When the Dominican-American singer Amara La Negra was on the podcast, she called out anti-blackness in the Latinx community. I know that nobody wants to talk about it, but we suffer a lot of racism. We suffer a lot of colorism amongst ourselves. It's just awful. Somebody somebody needs to say something. Like, are we just going to keep hearing it and not do anything about it? And one thing she added that really stuck with us was that as bad as it is here, she says it's worse in Latin America. Amara used media representation to make her point. Afro-Latinos make up about 25% of Latin America as a whole. But Amara told us that being Black and trying to break into showbiz there is so much harder than it is here in the States. It's definitely worse. That's, that's not even a question. <laughs> that is the truth. Movies, novelas, you know, soap operas, magazine covers, um, commercials, whatever the case may be, you barely ever, ever see people that look like myself. You're listening to Code Switch. I'm Gene Demby. And I'm Shireen Marisol Maraji. And on this episode, we've got a story that gets into what Amara La Negra was talking about, about Afro-Latino representation in Latin America. Meet Soldado Micolta, a beloved TV character in Colombia. Soldado Micolta! Ah! Soldado Micolta! La radio! Dale, voy! Dale, voy! He's a soldier, Soldado. And he's a soldier because the military is a part of everyday Colombian life. So Soldado Micolta is kind of an everyman in that way. And he's a character on this really popular comedy show in Colombia called Sábados Felices, Happy Saturdays. Sábados Felices is a network TV show that's been on for decades. Watching it, or at least having it on in the background, is a Saturday tradition in Colombia. And this character, Soldado Micolta, he's been a regular on the show for years. In the sketches, he's usually with his lieutenant commander, right? He's a soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes fun of his commander a lot. At this point, you might be thinking, Soldado Micolta sounds all right. He's this working-class guy who makes fun of his boss to his face without the boss realizing it. Keep going, Shereen. Go and not only is he a working-class dude, a soldier who thumbs his nose at authority, he's black. He's an Afro-Latino soldier. Wait for it, audience. Wait for it. An Afro-Latino soldier played by a Colombian who's not black. In blackface. Damn it, Shireen. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. And y'all, if you haven't seen pictures of Soldado Mikolta, it's actually worse than you're imagining. It really is. Please do a Google search right now. S-O-L-D-A-D-O-M-I-C-O-L-T-A. <laughs> oh, my God. It's terrible. Here's the thing. It wasn't until 2015 that this even became an issue in Colombia. I cannot believe it's 2015 and we are seeing blackface in Colombia. Like, how come this has been on TV for so many years? That's Camila Segura. She spent a couple years reporting on the controversy over Soldado Micolta's character. Her story aired in Spanish on the Radio Ambulante podcast a couple of months ago, where Camila is the senior editor. They did a documentary-style story where you get to know the guy who plays Micolta and one of the protesters trying to put a stop to this racist caricature. It's a glimpse into just how poorly Afro-Latinos are treated in Colombia. But Radio Ambulante is in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, Shireen, yes. you interview Camila about the story for our audience. For all you Spanish speakers out there, we still included a lot of Camila's original reporting throughout this episode, so you get a little special bonus. Camila, thank you for being on Code Switch, first of all. 
Thank you for having me. All right, let's start with this guy who plays the character of Mikota. His name is Roberto Lozano, and I want to know more about him. Who is this guy? So Roberto Lozano is this comedian. Mi nombre es Roberto Lozano, nací en Palmira Valle, el Cauca. And he has been in this Sábados Felices show, which is like the SNL of Colombia, I guess. A very popular comedy show that's been on the air for more than 40 years. I think more than 14 years with this character called Soldado Micolta. And he's mestizo. Mm -hmm. I guess the strict definition is a person of mixed race, the offspring of Spaniard and indigenous descent. Uh In the Americas, we are the inventors of the mixed race experiment. So he's mestizo, but what kind of mestizo is he? I'm I'm assuming that there's various... Shades of mestizo? Mm, Yeah, I guess. Um, Would a white Colombian be considered mestizo, I guess is my question? I think so. That's a good question. But that is not even part of our definition. Ah, Um, We don't think so much about race as we should. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the whole point of this story, right? Exactly. (laughs) So so Dado Micota, this comedic character that Roberto's playing, he's not mestizo. He's black. He's Afro-Colombiano, right? Why did he create this character and why did he make this character black when he's not black? So he's from Palmira, a town that is very close to Cali. Mm -hmm. But his father worked in Buenaventura, which is the most important port of the Pacific coast in Colombia. And Buenaventura is a place where the majority of the population is Afro-Colombian. Okay. Because historically, the majority of the slaves were brought to the coast. And that's where they settled after slavery was abolished. So it's kind of akin to what happened in the South in the U.S. Mm -hmm. He went to Buenaventura many times to visit his father. And he says that all of his father's friends were Afro-Colombians and the acquaintances, so he was very immersed in that culture. En esa época la gente blanca en Buenaventura no se veía y todos los amigos, toda la gente conocía, era pura gente afrocolombiana. Y pues la verdad muy 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 pegado a esa cultura, muy pegado a esa gente, muy unidos a ellos desde niños, desde infante. He was also very, I guess, inspired by this guy who was Afro-Colombian. His last name was Micolta. Y era el más cómico del salón. Era muy chistoso porque no hablaba bien. And he remembers this guy as being very funny because of how he spoke. Because he had an accent. Y él decía, lo que pasa es que yo quiero el locutor. Pero nos hacía reír a todos, era una recocha. Entonces, pues por eso creo que, que fue la motivación para hacer ese personaje. So, when he invented this character, he thought, oh, why not call him Mikolta? Got it. And then, how does he bring this character to life? Okay, so he decided that it was going to be a soldier. Soldado Mikolta! Buenas! So, he dressed like a soldier. And he has an accent that quote-unquote mimics the Pacific Afro-Colombian accent. Yo cuando estaba pequeñito me decían el trofeo. Por lo atleta. No, por lo trompón y lo veo. It's not only about the accent. El soldado Micolta hace lo que todo el mundo quiere hacer, que a veces es burlarse un poquito de la autoridad. But it's also about the characteristics that he has. A Micolta le gusta hacer locha a toda hora, le gusta no hacer nada. The soldier is lazy, but also mischievous, 
He's a rascal. Mi Nicolta es pillo, es pillo. He's naive. Es ingenuo. He's childlike. Es un niño grande, un niño en un estuche gigante. He is very ignorant and he mispronounces things. ¿Dónde está la honestidad de este país? No sabo, yo no sabo. No se dice sabo. ¿Cómo se dice? No sé. Se quedó callado. No. And he thought that because, according to him, his eyes are very big and he has a big mouth, it would be funny to paint his face black and his lips red. So I guess the combination of the whole thing makes it funny for some people. Obviously, it's been around for 14 years. Yeah, it's very popular. He was one of the most popular characters. Roberto doesn't see anything wrong with the character he plays? Not at all. How would Roberto describe what he's trying to do with Mikota? Just entertainment. La televisión es para entretener. Para eso la inventaron. Camila, can you explain to our audience what indigenous people and Afro-Colombians, how they are represented in media in Colombia? Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a long history of just black people just being the cleaning lady or the doorman or the thief or the prostitute. Very low-level positions. So it's very... Very limited the, the the representation that they have, and indigenous people they're almost not represented at all. Oh wow! Yeah. If if I turn on the TV in Colombia, I'm mostly going to see these quote unquote mestizos, and then if I do see somebody who's black on TV, they're going to be the help, or exactly. they're going to be a criminal. Exactly. That's basically it. After the break, Camilla's going to introduce us to one of the organizers who's trying to put a stop to Soldado Mikolta. And she tells us how the TV network pushes back, saying things like, but we make fun of everyone, equally. Shireen, where have we heard that before? Stay with us. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Lagunitas Brewing Company, whose brewmaster, Jeremy Marshall, says that when he tastes a Lagunitas ale, it's like catching a live concert. This is one of those very arrogant lead guitarist that goes to the front of the stage and slides on the knees and swings around and is just a showman. To discover how music plays a part in more than just great beer at Lagunitas, visit Lagunitas.com slash music. There's a lot of Spanish in the new star show Vida, but there are no subtitles. And it's like, no, this is a brown gay show and this is for our people to be able to see themselves and not feel that we're dumbing it down. A chat with the two stars of Vida on my podcast, It's Been a Minute, from NPR. Jean. Shireen. Code Switch. And now, back to Shireen's interview with Camila Segura about the controversy over Soldado Mikolta. You spoke to people who do not like this character. Tell us about Darwin Balanta. So Darwin is from Cali, Colombia, and he was raised by a single mom who was a cleaning lady. They moved to this neighborhood where they were basically the only Afro-Colombian family of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And he experienced racism since he was a little boy. At his school, he wasn't even called Darwin. He was called awful nicknames like Nietzsche, Negro, Gorilita, Miquito. Just like little monkey. So that really affected him. He wanted to fit in so bad. 
He didn't want to identify as a black person. Cuando te dice lo negro es malo, tú como hombre negro eres feo, tus rasgos son feos, tu pelo es malo, entonces ese chip se mete en el ADN de la gente donde dice no, y por eso el problema de autoestima y de poca identidad de la, las comunidades afros. So he would spend all his money, the little that he made, as a caddy in a resort, buying really expensive clothes, and he would just hang out with these mestizo friends. Cuando andabas con un grupo de cinco afros, como que qué boleta, yo no puedo ser con el poco de negros porque qué creerán de mí. Entonces mejorando con cinco mestizos, blanco mestizos, de estratos superiores, para que crean de que yo soy de esa ola. And then one day he was going to this disco and there were some classmates who were black who were asking him to come into the reggaeteca, just like reggae, hip hop and dance hall disco. Almost everyone in the club was Afro-Colombian. And he was kind of like, no, I don't really want to go in. Why would I just hang out with a bunch of black people? But then he got a little bit curious and he went in. And as soon as he entered and saw everyone, he started feeling a little bit out of place because of the way he was dressed. He was trying to look like a mestizo. And the people in the reggaeteca, they kind of embraced their culture and their hair, you know, in baggy clothes. Very 90s. <laughs> yeah, because this happened in the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. And they look at him very funny because of the way he was dressed. He even told me they probably thought this black guy is lost. A stable dog has more identity than this guy. A stable dog. Yeah. But he really liked it. You know, after half an hour, he said to himself, please, these are my people. Por favor, ese es mi gente. That place changed him. Para mí el despertar fue la música, la música fue lo primero. He was woken up by music. He started listening to hip hop and rap and reggae and then he started watching the videos and he was really surprised and he said to himself, Esta gente que está hablando, ¿cómo así que el negro es bonito? What are these people saying? What do you mean black is beautiful? Those suits are African and why are you wearing them? And that raised fist, like why are you even proud of that, of or your hair? Y porque hace, tienen orgullo de su cabello. So he started reading like Mandela and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the Black Panthers. And he started embracing, you know, his roots. He started dressing differently and doing his hair differently. So he started changing. The Black American experience is really having some sort of effect on him. And he's becoming politicized, right, Darwin? Yes, exactly. And he's the first one in his family to go to college. Uh -huh. So that's also big. And he starts reading a lot of black history, and he started connecting with grassroots organizations of other Afro-Colombians that are interested in human rights, advocacy, and, and things like this. So he starts to become much more of like an activist in that way. Mm -hmm. 
So he joins this grassroots organizations, and one of them is CADUBE, which is Colectivo Afrodescendiente Pro Derechos Humanos Bencos Vivi. I'm not going to translate that because it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically an organization from different universities. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in the agenda of this organization was to protest Soldado Micolta. And they wanted to go to Bogota on 2015. And why Bogota? Because in Bogota is the um, network Caracol TV, mm-hmm. Caracol Televisión, which is the network that airs Sábados Felices. So they wanted to go strictly in front of the network to protest. And so Darwin was one of the organizers of the whole protest. What exactly are they asking for? They're asking basically for Soldado Micolta to be off the air. But they were all also like protesting racism in the media and lack of representation in TV shows and and telenovelas and all this. How did Roberto respond to this protest? And and how did the network respond to this protest? Roberto was completely shocked. Like, he didn't understand. For him, it was completely absurd that people were protesting a comedian and not corruption or violence. Pues la verdad me sorprende mucho, porque es que yo soy un humorista. Yo entiendo que hagan una protesta por, por alguien malo, o porque hay hambre, o... Pero una protesta por un humorista, eso me pareció absurdo. He believes that TV is for entertainment, not for culture. If you don't like it, you should change the channel. Uh, and the network had a similar uh, reaction. I mean, Salos Felices has been widely accepted among Colombians for years. And they say that they portrayed the country's diverse cultural and racial expressions by way of humor. And if they get rid of representations of Afro-Colombians, they would also have to get rid of representations of people from Boyacá or Santander or Pasto or, you know, all these regions. So... Basically, their argument was that if these groups didn't appear on the show, that would be discrimination. That sounds to me so similar to how the writers of The Simpsons have been defending Apu, this character that they have that, you know, runs the Quickie Mart. Has the whole world gone crazy? Nah, just your screwy country. (sighs) Your old friend Apu is a lamb being led to the slaughter. Some people are saying... It is just like blackface, you know? Mm. It's very similar. And The Simpsons were like, oh, we make fun of everyone. Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing from this network. Exactly. We make fun of everyone. And if we don't make fun of him, then it will be discrimination because we wouldn't have included him, you know? I'm going to deduce that based on the response from the network and Roberto, nothing really happened after that protest to Soldado Micolta. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Completely right. (laughs) They even had a show scheduled for two weeks later in Cali, 
which is a city with a really high population of Afro-Colombians. Mm -hmm. So Darwin and the others got really mad, thinking that, you know, Micolta was going to come to their city and perform blackface. La ciudad con el movimiento afro, yo creo que más fuerte en Colombia, van a ir acá a nuestro feudo a hacer su show. No, eso no lo podemos permitir y que marcar presidente. Si Cali no marca el presidente, no lo va a hacer nadie. And so they gather around the theater and a lot of people came. I think it was like around 500 people mm -hmm. protesting and they kind of blocked the entrance and wouldn't let people buy the tickets to the show. Le hacíamos un coro y le decíamos Si compras la boleta, también eres racista. So if you buy your ticket, you're also being a racist. And they canceled the show. Hmm. That's when the media really paid attention to this. And that's when Roberto got a call from a journalist and he was super upset. Yo en ese momento le dije, pues si para tanto es el problema, yo dejo de hacer esto. Si me entiende, porque yo no me voy a ganar un enemigo por esto. And he said, well, if this is a huge problem, I'm just gonna stop doing the character. And 10 minutes later, there was a big headline saying, Soldado Micolta canceled from Colombian TV. And so the, the people from the network called him and they were like, what do you mean you're going to cancel? No, we support Soldado Micolta. Mm -hmm. And that's when a lot of the social media kind of nastiness came out. And so there was a lot of awful, awful comments saying things like Los negros son los más racistas del mundo. Blacks are the most racist people in the world. ¿Por qué no se van para África y dejan tanto drama? Go back to Africa and stop the drama. So the racism really was like right out there. Exactly. No shame. So all of these horrible racist things are being said. Did Roberto finally get the clue that This is not a positive thing. This is not a positive character. And there is a lot of racism that's surrounding it and a lot of racism in the fans that love the character. Did he figure that out in any way? I don't think he did. I asked him that in the interview. Lo que entiendo es que toda persona que se maquille de negro totalmente en una tarima está practicando el racismo. Hasta el año del problema me vine a dar cuenta del término. The blackface thing, he understood that but nothing else. Hmm. When I saw this, okay, Soldado Micolta is ending, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, we, yeah. reasonable people won. And then it was like, no, he didn't change. He just stopped painting his face black. Entonces yo dijo, listo, Micolta tiene un cambio. A partir de ahora, Micolta no es negro, es un soldado que habla como un payaso, pero, pero el personaje es el mismo. Es, para mí es la misma magia. He started painting his face with the... Colombian flag or multicolor or whatever, but he's still in the air. He's, his name's still Micolta. He's still the same character that is dumb and mispronounces things and has the heavy accent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the, it's the same character except that he doesn't paint his face black. So if I'm in Colombia and I'm watching your version of SNL, as you say, Sábado Felices, on Saturday, I can turn it on and I can see him doing a total caricature of an Afro-Colombian, doing the accent, everything. Mm -hmm. The only thing that he doesn't do is paint his face 
black. Black, exactly. Not much change. I mean, this is three years later, right? Like, this is three years after these huge protests and everything blew up. Has there been a bigger conversation around race since then? What what has happened three years later? Has everything just kind of gone back to normal? I think it has, uh, unfortunately. I, I mean, I think this episode was important in the sense that thanks to this, racism became an issue to address, like, in the public sphere, which is mm-hmm. not something that we often discuss. Because also the the general idea is that we are not racist. You know, the U.S. is racist. But no, here in Colombia, we all love our little black people, los negritos. We love mm-hmm. them, you know. But that's obviously not the case. So I think... I think it opened up a little bit the conversation, and I think slowly people are becoming aware that racism is an issue. And it's also the question of representation of black people in the media, which is something that is not being discussed widely. A lot of people saw these jokes as harmless. And I think there is now a deeper understanding that the way in which Afro-Colombians are portrayed really matters. What does Darwin think about all this? What does he think of Soldado Micolta still being on TV and the only thing different is, you know, the way he paints his face? What can I say? I I, I think he has a little bit of resignation that this is the way it's going to be. And he believes that just children shouldn't watch that because that's his main concern is like the effect that this has in little children. He was very adamant in saying, this character doesn't affect me because I understand my history. I understand where I come from. Yo sé quién soy, de dónde vengo. Yo sé que vengo de un imperio glorioso en África, de que mis descendientes eran reyes, ingenieros, arquitectos. But a lot of little kids watching that do not. And that's his biggest problem. So he's, you know, he's still trying to protest as many things as he can and changing things and not only in media but also protesting the fact that banks for example in Cali don't hire people of color to work as accountants or you know whatever so like no bank tellers if I no, go to no. Colombia and I, yeah. I won't see an Afro-Colombian bank teller it's gonna be not so common yeah huh well, does he want to go back to this fight about Soldado Micolta? Does he want to... No. No, oh, really? Yeah, he's really tired about it. And I think part of what he feels is at least we had a conversation about this. And at least we won in the sense that he's not painting his face black. But beyond that, I think they... No, they're just, like, done with the subject. Camila, I have to ask you, did this, did just doing this story open up anything for you? Did it make you, did you have conversations with your family? Do you want to make me cry? I actually <laughs> would love that because you know how we love that on, on podcasts. No, I mean, um, one of the reasons that this story really interests me since the beginning was because I feel that in Colombia, even the most progressive people, quote unquote progressive, are very blind to these these issues, you know. So there's a really 
interesting discussion about the limits of humor mm -hmm. and the political correctness. Some people reject political correctness because they associate it to a culture that comes from the United States that is very like uptight mm. and censorship and I think that things like this like Mikolta is just overreacting it's like why do you care about this you know this is just a comedian whatever just you know don't think much about it I mean my mom who is very progressive she's an author she's very red in Colombia She's one of the ones that were like, mm -hmm. this is kind of ridiculous that they're making this huge deal about Soldado Micolta. And I was like, Mom, really? <laughs> and I had to kind of go into these conversations with her. And now I think that with the story, she kind of changed positions and she was like, yeah, I understand. Did your mom say, oh, you know, you've been living in the States too long? A version of that, yeah. <laughs> And some friends, too. What would they say? They think that I'm very American in the way I see things, some of them, mm. that I'm just too sensitive. And what do you think? I do think I am, but I think that's good. That's Camila Segura, the senior editor of the Radio Ambulante podcast. Check them out on NPR One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Jean, the song giving me life this week is from an Afro-Latino salsero, Oscar de León. And the song is Yo Me Voy Pa' Cali. It's one of my favorite salsa songs. But in the case of Soldado Micolta, maybe we should change the chorus to No Iré Pa' Cali. I will not go to Cali. It's like ha -ha. the Biggie song. Biggie small song. <laughs> I'm going, going. Back, back <laughs> But not that Cali. Cali. No. <laughs> <laughs> All that's our show. There's so many ways to get at us, right? You can holler us on Twitter. We're mm -hmm. at NPR Code Switch. Our email is codeswitch at npr.org. Subscribe to the podcast, of course. And sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter slash codeswitch. So many slashes. So many slashes. This episode was produced by Maria Paz Gutierrez. It was edited by yours truly and Sammy Yenigan. Big shout out to the rest of the Code Switch fam. Kat Chow, Lee Danella, Adrian Florido, Karen Grigsby-Bates, Walter Ray Watson, and Steve Drummond. Our intern is Angelo Bautista. I'm Gene Demby. And I'm Shireen Marisol Meraji. Be easy, y'all. Peace. NPR's rough translation is like your best travel experience. It takes you someplace new, and it leaves you with a fresh perspective on home. This season, we follow the go-betweens, people trying to cross a cultural bridge or change the culture they know. Check out Rough Translation wherever you get your podcasts.